0: Hey, you know, seeing that reminds me of optimists and pessimists. Y'all know the difference between optimist and pessimist, don't you? You know, optimist sees everything bright. Pessimist, I heard about these two guys, real good friends. One of them was optimist, other the pessimist, and they, they were farmers. And one of them, the old optimist, went out, man, he'd see the sunshine, he say, man, ain't that beautiful sunshine? Old pessimist said, yeah, but if it keeps on, it'll burn the crops right out of the ground. Went out one day and it was raining. Optimist said, man, praise God. Look at that rain. He said, man, it's going to give crops some good water. Old pessimist said, yeah, but if it keeps on, it'll just drown them. So one day that optimist said, I'm going to fix this bird and I'm going to do something. He went and bought the most expensive dog that he could find. They liked to hunt together. So he bought this old dog and he got this dog trained. He worked with him and worked with him. Finally, he was ready and he asked his buddy, he said, let's go duck hunting. So they got in the boat and put that old dog in the boat with them. They went out there. I mean, they hadn't even got offshore. And that old pessimist said, "I hey, ain't going to shoot nothing today. He said, the cloud didn't look like, you know, the wind was blowing wrong. They hadn't been out there long, man. Some old ducks started coming by. And he said, like,
1: pow, pow, pow.
0: Two or three old ducks hit the water. Flop, flop, flop. They said, just what the optimist was waiting on. He said, okay, boy, go get them. And old dog got out there and he walked on the water never even got wet, man. He picked up that duck and brought it all the way back to the boat went out there and got the rest of them. And that pessimist said, what do you think of that? And the old pessimist said, that old dog can't even swim, can he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, I don't know where that came from. Somebody take these napkins and get them out of here. They allowed to make me think of all kind of crazy things. It has been so great to be with you guys this week, and I just thank God for you allowing me to come. And uh, one of the fellows said, I want you to talk louder, get them to give you a little bit more. He said, when you get your voice kind of low, I can't hear everything you're saying. So guys, keep me up there where the, the young and the old, the rich and the poor, the, it, all of them. OK, thanks, man. They, they've, they've done a great, great job. I bring greetings to you from my lovely wife. And uh, she's been praying every night. I wish she could have come with me. She's a Texas girl. She's absolutely gorgeous, knocked down beautiful. And God knew I needed somebody like her. She's smarter than I am, prettier than I am. And uh, she's more spiritual than I am. And I thank the Lord for her. She's not quite as loud as I am, but uh, she's a great, great girl. She's been taking care of her mom. Her mom's real sick, and so she wanted me to send you greetings kind of reminds me of a story that I hope will lead us. Take your Bible and turn to, uh, I want you to turn to 2 Kings and look, if you would, 2 Kings chapter 6. And I told you last night I was going to talk about getting back your axe. That old axe head that just came floating up to the top of the water. How do you get back your axe? And we're going to talk about that a little bit. And um, I was thinking about my wife being a Texan. And uh, I love Texas stories. And I, I just, I, you know, I like stories. I just think about them while I'm preaching. And, man, it's just hard to keep them my... Head on straight. Anyway, I, I, I remember the story about this one old Texan man. He had been a proud man all his life and he had this great, great big palatial home. And he, every year he'd throw this big old party. He'd invite everybody in the whole county and they'd come around and they'd do something real, real unusual every year. And this particular year he had invited everybody to come and so they were all out talking. And uh, he, got, he got out there on the front porch started ringing that big old bell. And he said, everybody gather around, gather around, gather around. And they all gathered around. He said, now, folks, you know, every year we do something a little different. But he said, this year is the crowning year of everything I've ever done. He said, I want you to uh, look right over here. And he said, there's my lovely daughter. And he said, I've got something special for her for tonight. But he said, I want to find out if there's any valor left in Texas. He said, you know, I've been worried about these young men around here in Texas. And he said, I'm just kind of worried that the valor going down. So I'm going to test the valor of Texans tonight. And he said, I want you to look behind you. And they all looked around. There's a big old long Olympic-sized swimming pool right behind them. And he said, now I want you boys to look at that. And he said, the first man that dives in this hand, swims all the way to the other end, comes out on the other end. I'm going to give him one of three prizes. I'll explain to you in a minute. But before you jump in. He said, let me tell you that I have put every... Creature I can get in there. We've got barracuda in there. we got uh, piranha in there. There's snakes in there. There's alligators and crocodiles. He said, and then they looked around and he just see things teeming around there. He said, I'm going to find out if there's any valor in Texas. He said, and a man that jumps in and swims all the way to the back, I'll give him one of three prizes. I'll give him a million dollars right on the spot. Or I'll give him a thousand acres back on the back side of my farm. Or I'll give him the hand of my beautiful daughter right here, the only daughter I have. And said, uh, someday he'll own this whole thing. He hadn't even got it out of his mouth, preacher. And man, some guy jumped in there. And he starts and he's swimming. And I mean, just about the time everybody looked around, he's climbing out on the other end. And he's knocking the water out of his head, man. He's coming out of there, you know. And they cheered and they threw their hats in the air. And he said, "Bring that boy around here! Bring that boy around here!" And he ran down, grabbed him, hugged him, and said, "Son, son, you have restored my valor in Texas. I'm telling you now, we got future ahead of us." I said, "Tell me, boy. Tell me." He said, "What do you want?" He said, "Tell me. You want that million dollars?" He said, "No, sir, I'm not real good with money." He said. That's not what I want. He said, well, uh, you want a thousand acres? But he said, no, nah, I don't do much work. He said, well, you smart boy. You want the hand of my daughter in marriage. And also he said, i got a girlfriend. He said, well, son, I mean, you've earned it, man. You've got to want something. Don't you want something? He said, yeah, I really do. He said, anything, son, just name it. He said, I want the name of the man that pushed me in.
1: <laughs>
0: well, shucks. <just. laughs> Tonight, I want to be the man that pushes you in, alright? I mean, come on, let's just jump on in and let's just have a good time. And I'll ask you a question. Do you really want God to move in your heart? Come on, man. I, I think we do. I really, I've sensed that this week. And that's what a revival's all about. A revival's sort of like taking a bath. And I want to appreciate all of y'all. I want to tell you I appreciate you out right there. I've noticed most all of you take a bath before you come to church. No. So, I, what am I doing say a thing? No, but you know, we can, we, we can talk about it all we want to, but revival is a spiritual bath. Yeah, yeah. We just get rid of the old stuff, you get clean again, you just feel good, you feel refreshed, and, and God comes in, starts working in your heart. And that's really what this is about, this story tonight. It's getting back your acts. And getting back what you want. Now, let me tell you that as we get into this, there are three ways to interpret Scripture. There is what we call the primary interpretation, which is exactly what the Bible says. And you work on the primary interpretation. Then there is a personal application. Primary is what does the Bible say? Personal application. What's it saying to me? And then there is a prophetic implication. Prophetic implication in many, many passages of the Bible. It not only has a meaning for today, but if you look down the road, it'll tell you something about tomorrow. And that's exactly what this story has for us here. The primary, uh, the primary interpretation of this is there was a real story. There's a real group of people. They went down to a real place to build a building and to gather beams up. And it happened just like God said it. But I hope tonight that the Lord's going to let us see that there is a practical and personal application to every one of us. Let's read the story. This is about seven verses. It's not very long. Let's just read it if we could. And it starts out in the sons of the prophet said unto Elijah, Behold, now the place where we dwell is too straight or too small for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he said... Go ye. You remember anybody else in the Bible saying, go ye? Yes, sir. All right, look at this. And one of them said, well, would you be content to go with us? And he said, I will go. I remember Jesus saying, you go and lo, I will what? Go with you. Even how far? Ends of the earth. So we got a picture here. It's developing. All right, watch this now. And he went with them. And when they came to Jordan, you ought to underline the next four words. They cut down wood. Okay? Now, that's what everybody wants to do. That's what God wants everybody to do. That's what God wants every church to do. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water and he cried and said, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick, and he cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. The iron came to the top of the water. And therefore said he, take it up to thee. And he reached, he put out his hand, and he took it. Now that's why I told you, I believe this story just like God said it. I believe the Bible is the inerrant, infallible word of God. I believe every word of the Bible is true. And God said there was a time when this thing happened. Those guys out there, they were chopping down that wood, and that old boy was chopping it, and the axe head flew off, and it went in the water over there, and he was all upset because he had borrowed that axe head, and he came to the prophet, and he said, Prophet, I'm telling you, I had borrowed this axe head, and man, it went in the water, and I don't know what to do. And he said, I'll tell you what to do. And he told him what to do, and it floated water just like he said. Now, really understand it; you have to kind of get the picture of the players. That God put in this little drama here, if you would. If you look at this, you'll say the sons of the prophets. That's the ones that got together. Well, ladies and gentlemen, those are the ones who are seeking to know more about the power of God, who are Christians. Those are the sons of the prophets. Those are the learners. I, gotta, I, I, I have to say something tonight, preacher. Johnny, I want to thank you, buddy. Your choir's been faithful every night. And folks, we ought to thank our choir. They have led us in worship. Come on. They've led us in worship. Johnny, you've done a great job. These guys up here and, and, and the praise leaders that came and all that. I mean, and I want to thank you. This has been a great crowd. Every night people have been here. This has been wonderful. You know what that tells me? That tells me you've got a hungry heart. That tells me that everybody in this building fits. If you're a Christian tonight, you fit in this story as one of the sons of the prophet. That means you're listening. You want God to speak to you and that you fit right here in this book. Then the second thing he talks about is Elisha. And Elisha represents the Lord Jesus himself. He's the example. He's the one that said, go ye. And they said, we'll go, go with us. He said, I'll go with you. He's the one directing them. He said, let's go here. Let's do this. Let's build it. You know who's running this church? The Lord Jesus Christ. You know who this church belongs to? The Lord Jesus Christ. You know who bought this church? The Lord Jesus Christ. It's His church. And if we'll always keep our eyes on Him, He'll guide us all the way home. I promise you that. He is the hero of the church. And then the third thing, the place where we dwell, that is the church. That's where we get together. And these people said, we got a vision. We want to do something. I'll promise you, I ain't been here long, but I, I I really have fallen in love with you folks. You know, and some of the guys say, Well, you know, I was here to when this thing started and being a... You know what? I can almost feel the heartbeat of a lot of people who started this church. This church didn't start in this big building, did it? Somebody talked to me. I bet it didn't start here. No, it started somewhere else. It's probably started in a little old place somewhere back here. Somebody said they met in a tar paper somewhere around here or something. Come on, that's the way. That's exactly the way the church I pastored in Northside. I mean, they talk about the tar paper church where they started. You know what? It starts with people, and you know, and we have, and it happens over and over again. You you, you can't just look back like I said. Well, it all come on. day's the day, just like yesterday was the day. There's more people to reach now than there was then. Come on, you see what I'm saying? But here he's talking about the place, our place. Our place, God, we want you to make our place bigger and better and want to reach more people. And that's what this story is about right here. Now, when you talk about Jordan, you have to understand that many ways, Jordan represents dying to self. You know, in order to have the real good things of God, you've got to die to self. You know what? I found out something when I got this heart. I didn't tell you this on Sunday morning. I asked that doctor. I said, Doctor, what are you going to do to me? I mean, explain it to me in real simple terms what I'm, what's going to happen when I get a heart. You know what he told me? Listen to this. He said, well, Brad, I'm going to cut you open. I'm going to cut your heart out. Lay it over here on the table. I'm going to put somebody else's heart in you and sew it up. And then I'm going to thump it and hope it works. Well, I said, man, I don't want you to be that. I mean, you are too honest. That's, yeah. It's kind of scared to me a little bit, you know. But I watch it. I, I've thought a whole lot about this. You know what? That day... This new heart I got has given me new life. It's like a new man down in here. You know who's trying to kill it? The old man. They call it rejection. You know the one thing that people who have transplants have a problem with is rejecting that new heart. And you know what I have to take every single day of my life? I have to take anti rejection medicine. Every day. I take a mouthful in the morning, I take a mouthful at night. You know what that represents? It represents Bible study and reading and studying the Bible. Those are anti-rejection medicines now. And I'm telling you, that will keep your old man from killing the new man. That's exactly what it wants to do. That's dry, that's dying to self. And if we're going to be what we're going to be, we're going to have to die to self. That's Jordan. And then you come to the beams. Now, these are big. And I will I know, I know I challenge you to a high standard. I don't care. I don't care what anybody else thinks about you. I've probably got more faith in every person in this building than anybody else you've ever met. I believe you can do far more than you do. You know why? You've got the Holy Spirit of God living in you. And you can do more than anybody thinks. And you know what he said? Let's go cut down some beams. You know what beams are? Beams are low-bearing walls. Come on. There's a lot of walls in this building. You take them down and it won't even matter. But you take down the load-bearing walls and we would be sitting in a pile of dust. it would come right down around our head. You know what? Everybody in this building ought to say, Oh, God, make me a load-bearing wall so you can put on me anything you want. And the old ship won't move a bit. That's a beam. And you know then what he said? Let's go get some more. Beams. He said, "Ever man, go cut down another beam. Ever man, go get another beam. And they said, you know what? That sounds like fun. That's, preach, that's exactly what you're talking about. Go and reach in the ones you love, and then love in the ones you reach, and go and get in somebody that's close to you. See, that's exactly what this story's about. I think that's just a. And, and you know, when you start praying and, and you start reading the Bible and you start doing those things, God will hear, pr- you hear your prayer. You yes, believe God will hear your prayer? You believe God will hear your prayer? Come on, talk to me. Yes, I believe He will too. You believe God hears a child's prayer? Yeah. Let me tell you a cat story. It's a true story. I don't know why these things come in my mind, but let me tell you a cat story. One, a preacher friend of mine told this story on a person in his church. So I know it's a true story. He and his family had a little old cat. And his wife loved that cat more than just about anything else you ever saw. And one day he was at the office and his wife called him almost hysterical. And she said, the cat has gotten in a tree and I can't get him down. Come home and get this cat out of this tree. He said, honey, I'm at She said, come home and get this cat out of this tree. Well, man, you know when your wife says that, it doesn't matter. You move heaven and earth, you go home. So he went home, and sure enough, the cat was, it wasn't too far up the tree. He got a ladder, and as soon as he got up to that point, I hate cats. I mean, dogs, dogs would jump on you. You know what I'm saying? Cats run from you. And that cat ran right up to the top of that little old sapling tree. He did everything he could get to it, and he couldn't, he couldn't get it. So he said, look, only thing I know, he said, it's not a real big tree. It's only about that big around. He went in the garage, got him a big rope, threw that thing around the top, up around there, and, and made a loop and tied it off the top. He said, now, I'm going to pull that thing down, sweetheart. And when it gets down close enough, you get a hold of that cat. True story. Get this picture now. He's out in his yard, backyard. He's pulling on his thing. He's put it, He's got it. He wrapped it around his waist. He's pulling it down. He's got it down. I mean, he has got that thing and he's trying to get it down. And she's jumping at it, trying to get it almost there a little bit more. He pulls that thing down like this. She's grabbing and the rope turns loose. Tree goes up, cat flies. <laughs> and he said, "Last time we saw that cat, it was flying over the neighbors, over our house, over the neighbor's house. They ju- they jumped in the car, drove around the neighborhood, never found it. I mean, never found it. Next Sunday morning." A lady in their church came up to the pastor's wife and said, You will not believe how God answers prayer. (laughs) She said, What are you talking about? She said, My granddaughter was visiting us from out in Oklahoma. We're sitting in our backyard on a picnic table. My little granddaughter bows her, saying, Oh, God, please send me a kitty. And she said, Honest to God, preacher said that thing, it just hit the middle of that table. It's like <coughs> yeah, well. And my granddaughter said, God sent me this kitty. And they said the lady was afraid to ask, she said, Well, where's the cat now? I said, Oh, it's in Oklahoma. They took that thing, took that thing back with them. Let me tell you something. God hears and answers the desires of your heart when you get in in, in connection with Him. He says, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in Him, and He will bring it to pass. It says, if we'll submit ourselves to Him and delight ourselves in the Lord, He will give us the what? The desires of our heart. That's what He wants to do. And you look here, I want you to just watch how easy this is. How this little old story unfolds so easily. Number one, here was a man who wanted an axe head. He didn't have one. Now, I want to tell you what the axe head represents. The axe head represents the power of the Holy Spirit. It does not represent the indwelling Holy Spirit. You and I get that when we get saved. Okay? I, you say, why do you, think it, why do you think it represents the filling of the Holy Spirit? Because like this axe head, it was temporary. You don't always have the filling of the Holy Spirit. But if you're a Christian, you always have the Holy Spirit. Somebody said, the difference is, you've always got all the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have all of you? See? And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that's what gives us the power. to That's what I believe is representing this story by the axe head. Because he went over to a willing lender. (laughs) I go to heaven and I say, oh God, please fill this old sorry preacher with the Holy Spirit. Oh God, I empty myself. And did you know what? The lender is more willing than the recipient is. God wants to fill you with His Holy Spirit. He knows what you can do. And He wanted that axe and He went over there and He borrowed it from His neighbor. And He needed that axe. We need the filling of the Holy Spirit. I jotted down some things this afternoon. He could not do the job without it. We cannot do what God wants us to do without the filling of the Holy Spirit. He needed it for His family. He needed it for His friends. He needed it for His church. Most of all, He needed it to carry out the job God wanted Him to do. And so He borrowed that axe. And then... You think about it being a temporary loan, you think about the willing loaner. I want you to think about this. The guy who loaned it to him, watch it now, became a partner with him in the battle. You can use my axe.
1: Yes, sir. Use my
0: axe. Isn't that what the Father says? Didn't Jesus say, I'll sin when I go away, I'll send upon you the Holy Spirit of God? You enter into partnership with the owner when he gives you the Holy Spirit. Isn't that sweet? Come on now. And so he got it. And then guess what happened? Once he got it, he started using it. Oh, son.
1: Chop, chop,
0: chop. Answered prayer. Chop, chop, chop. Timber! Son gets saved. Chop, chop, chop. Timber! Somebody in our church is healed. You're cutting down wood. And you're getting beams. He's using it. The Bible says, And they cut down wood. Boy, I thought about it today. I thought, oh, God of heaven. I just thought about some people I saw. I've I've seen. I'm going to tell you something. And I'll say this to you as honestly as I know how. Ladies and gentlemen, one guy kidding me about this at supper. He said, You know how to say I'm 60 years old, okay? Well, I am. But I would rather have the filling of the Holy Spirit than live. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to live without the filling of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to go to God in prayer when He won't hear me. I don't want to preach when I can't communicate with somebody's heart the Word of God. I don't want to live unless I see God doing things. Man, I'm going to tell you something. About three weeks ago, we baptized a family in our baptistry that I had to get somebody to help me with. The shortest one was six foot seven. And the daddy was six foot nine. Timber! We put him down in that water. Hallelujah! Come on now. You know what I'm saying. I had to baptize him by joints. Joint, 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 joint. joint. You know? Son, I could tell you. I, man. Well, I went to school with a a man by the name of Wally Coggins. See how God works. I went to school with a man by the name of Wally Coggins. Wally Coggins, one of the great preachers at Tennessee. He was a little ahead of me, but I heard about him. He went off preaching. I didn't hear about him for years. Then I heard one day that he had passed away. Well, that must be, man, that's a long time ago. About five weeks ago, a man walked in the back of my church, and I was greeting people. And uh, he walked in. I said, oh, how are you doing? He and his wife came in. He said, I'm fine. I said, I'm Bradley Price. He said, my name's Lee Coggins. I said, Lee Coggins? I knew a guy named Coggins. His name was Wally. Wally Coggins. He said, that was my dad. I said, you got to be kidding. He said, no, that's my dad. He said, my dad died when I was six years old. I said, well, Lee, y'all have a church home around here? He said, no. I said, we have in the Bible store over our house. Why don't you and your wife come over to my Bible store at our house? They said, I think we will. They came over to our house. First night there. We were just going around, just sharing things, you know. And I said, uh, I said, Leah, how you doing? He said, I'm doing all right. So I said, I'm not doing good spiritually. He said, preacher, when, my, when, when God took my dad away when I was six, I hadn't had anything to do with God since then. He said, my mama's prayed for me every day. He said, well, when you preached last Sunday, something happened in my heart. He said, God just shook me. And he said, yesterday my wife met with a lady in our church and gave her heart to Jesus. And he said, I had not done that yet. I said, Lee, what's holding you back? He said, I don't know. We opened, I mean, these people sitting there looking at us like, what in the world is going on in our Bible study? We're just talking back and forth. I laid the Bible out on the coffee table. I said, Lee... Went through it. I said, would you like to trust Jesus? He said, yes, I would, preacher. Timber! I guarantee his daddy up in heaven. And his little mama who had prayed for him for all those years. Thanking Jesus. I'm glad the one I spoke that Sunday morning. The Holy Spirit, of God went out there. Got to hold that old boy's heart. Aren't you? Yes. I want to tell you something. Ninety. Listen to me now. Ninety percent of the people in our church who get baptized are not one to Christ through the preaching on Sunday morning. They're one to the Lord through the people in our church who are out there sharing with their friends and their neighbors and so forth. You see, the timber, the timber comes from God's people who are out there using that axe. Chop, chop, chop. And I promise you, there's some stories in these walls. You don't have to tell me. I've been in this thing all my life. Chop, chop, chop. Man, I I told you about Ron working with a guy that I thought was going to hook me last. And he he came down there last. Oh, God, man, he was something. Not too long after that, we had the fellow in our church. His wife got saved on, on visitation. And he was undercover narcotics. He's one of the meanest men in our county. And she cried and asked him, said, J.D., would you go with me? I'm going to go forward. Would you go with me? And he said, well, I'll go with him. His, his street name was Poncho, and he looked like it. I mean, I mean, he was undercover narcotics. And then they said, Bout, about, right, about right in there, about where you guys are. And I preached, and I noticed, through, every time I, you know, I'd say something funny, and he'd laugh, and I'd say something kind of sad, and I'd, I'd see him tear up a little bit, and I thought... Go ahead, Holy Spirit, just knock that old boy down. I mean just hit him good. Invitation given his wife came down there. She liked a fainted. He walked out right behind her. And I got down there and put my arms around big old JD Baby. And he got saved.
1: Timber
0: became one of the strongest Sunday school teachers we had in our church. Was voted in just a few leaves later as sheriff of that county. And was voted, a few years later that, Sheriff of the Year in Indiana. You know what did that?
1: Chop, chop,
0: chop. Now watch this. Here's this old boy there singing Amazing Grace. Man, I mean, people are coming. And i got to tell you something. I believe when that man went and asked for that axe, his sense of need overcame his sense of pride. He said, I want it so bad. man. I I, I don't want to go ask, but you know, man, I really want it. You know what's keeping most of us from getting the blessing of God? Pride. Come on. Come on. Let's just be honest. Nobody here but us.
1: That's
0: the thing. But his sense of need overcame his sense of pride. What if somebody, what if somebody's eternal destination, your child, your grandchild, your neighbor, where you're the only link between them and eternity. You're the only link between them and heaven. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? You're it. And you say, God, I, but I need more power to be able to do that, God. I, I want them to go to heaven. There's some people that heaven won't be heaven to you if they don't make it there. Come on now, you just listen to me. I know that. Every one of us in this building, there's some friend, some relative, somebody, but man, you'd just give almost anything. And that's why this man will say, I'm willing to lay down my pride in order to get that what I need so I can tell my friends. But I want to tell you something. While he was using it, and this is probably for us leaders, while he was using it, he lost it. How many times have I seen it? You know, he lost it while he was busy. He lost it. While he was in the battle. He lost it while you think everything's going good. And you know what happened? Everything, watch it now, man, I'm telling you. Everything went from chop, chop, chop timber to quack, 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 quack. You know what I think he did? Now, come on, I know I'm imagining. He says, choo, splash. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He said, oh, Lord, I lost my accent. I hope nobody notices I done lost my accent. So I'm going to just go ahead and whop these trees with this axe handle and hoping nobody notices I've lost my axe head. And so he goes, whop, 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 whop. And you know, what he, you know what I bet he did? I bet he increased his activity to try to cover up his lack of productivity. It happens. Doesn't it, preacher? It happens in my life. It will happen in your life. It will happen in all our lives. If we're not careful, we just say, well, maybe I've lost my joy. maybe I'll get more busy. I'll get more involved. I'll do more stuff. I'll do this. I'll do that. And he was beating a fire out of those tree trunks. And I believe then he said, shoot, I'm tired of playing this game.
1: I lost it!
0: And to his amazement, to his amazement, nobody made fun of him. They all wanted to help him get it back. And he went to the prophet. And I will tell you, he went to the right place to get it back. Can I say that to you? Some people lose it and they go trying to look for it everywhere else. Not realizing that it's not out there. It's right in here. What they lost, they're not going to find out there. The emptiness isn't here. And he went to the right man. He went to the man, Elisha, and he said, Elisha, man, I lost it. Now look what Elisha says to him. Look how simple this is. I mean, it, he said, Where'd you lose it? Yeah. Yeah. Where'd you lose it? You know, if you could find where you lost it, that's 90% of the battle, huh? Have you ever looked for something that. Do you ever, this guy was over, he lost his keys and he was looking out, looking under? And buddy came over and he said, let me help you. He said, man, I said, so what did you lose? He said, I lost some car keys. And they were looking around under a big street light and he was just looking around. He said, well, I don't see anything. He said, is this where you lost them? He said, no, I lost them over there, but the light's better over here. I thought, we just <laughs> we used to... <laughs> We used to have a, a say, it may still be around. He said, People don't always scratch where it itches. You get my drift? And the prophet said, Where'd you lose it? And he said, I lost it right there. If God were to walk up and down our house today, he could come to me and say, Preacher, where'd you lose it? I could say, I lost it in my attitude. I know where I lost it. I lost it because I had a wrong attitude, I lost it in my heart. I lost it when I quit praying, God. I heard a man come forward in a meeting where we were. He was a preacher, one of the greatest preachers that I'd known. And he got up and he said, "Guys, he said, "You know me. For years, I had the power of God on my life." And he said, "I don't know what happened." And then he just stopped. He said, "Yes, I do. I quit praying. I got so busy, I got out of the Word of God. You see what? You can lose it in your attitude. You can lose it in an unforgiving spirit. God said, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. That's kind of serious. And sometimes, well, I think it was D.L. Moody, somebody came to him in a great revival. meeting and said, oh, Dr. Moody, i got something in my soul. I, I just don't know what it is. I, I've done something wrong and I feel so bad, but I don't know what it is. He said, yes, honey, yes. And he said, you know, she guessed it the first time. <laughs> And I think that's what that man said. Like, where'd you lose? I lost it right there. Now watch what happened. This is so sweet. I can't even hardly I I want to say, take my shoes off now. He said, you want it back? He said, yeah, I really do, God. He said, all right, I'm going to tell you what to do. He said, I want you to go cut down a stick. You look in the Hebrew. It's a small tree. He said, I want you to go get a tree. Cut down a tree. And I want you to put it right in the same place where you lost it. My Bible tells me, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, brother. Yes, you know what that was pointing to? I told you, prophetic implication. He was looking down and he said, I saw one hanging on a tree in agony and blood. He put his languid eyes on me as near the cross I stood. Come on. You know what he was pointing to? He's pointing to the cross of Jesus Christ, and he's saying, "If you, all you, what you need to do is you need to take the cross and apply it to the spot right where you lost it." And when he did, it came floating right up. Isn't it interesting that God didn't say, "All right, hold out your handle, and I'll make it fly back up on your handle." Do you read it? Do you remember how it said when we read it? No, he didn't say that. He didn't say. <laughs> Got that thing? Yeah. No, he didn't. He said, "There it is. If you want it, you reach out and touch it. Take it." I grew up as a boy on the creek bank. I know a little bit about creeks. I know that stiff knees can't reach out very far and get something. Well, I was thinking one day and reading this, and I said, Oh, God, I see it. You know what God was telling him to do? You've got to get down like this if you want it. Yes, You've got to get down like this. I said, Oh, God,
1: I want it, God.
0: I really want it. I want it. And the Bible says, and he reached out. And he took it. There it is. That's all of it. That's all of it. And he got it back. And I think the whole place went shopping and carrying on. You know why? Because they went from wop back to chop. They went back to timber. Hallelujah. He got back his axe. I confess to you, I've been there. I told you, Pastor, today, God's let me build some big churches. And when I was laying in that room, and after I'd come back, so close to death, so close to God, I could almost feel his breath, God said, Be a kingdom man. He said to me, be a kingdom man. He brought to me that verse of Scripture where it says in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. Yes, and I'd lay there and I'd think about that and say, God, what are you trying to tell me? It would say, Son, go ahead and live now like you're already up here. Be a kingdom man. And I came back to my church with tears and I said, Guys, i got it. I think sometimes when I confessed it to God and I confessed it to my people, I said, sometimes I think I was trying to build my kingdom. And I wanted this and I wanted that. And I just wanted to build my kingdom. And I said, I could care less anymore about my kingdom. I want to build His kingdom. I want to be what He wants me to be, doing what He wants me to do. God wants His kingdom built. And then I'd walk up and down and I'd say, listen, kids... Be a kingdom girl when they go to school. When you go to school. When you guys go to school. Okay? God walks down the hall. He looks in your classroom. He said, that's a kingdom girl right there. That's one of mine. That's a kingdom girl. God goes to where you work. God goes to you where you work. He looks in there and He said, that's a kingdom worker right there. That's one of mine. He lives for me. He lives for me. Walk by your house down your road. He looks in that road and he said, "There's King's House. I got five kids." You say, "Oh, preacher, it's great to have all of them serving God." It is. What a treasure. But only God knows how many nights I spent all night long on my knees in front of their door on my face and say, God, don't let the devil get my boys. God, don't let the devil get my girls, God. If the devil gets somebody, he's got to come over me. God, don't let the devil get my boys. Yes, sir. And I mean it. I want a kingdom house, preacher. I want God to go down the street. There's a kingdom house. And when he walks by my church... I to smile. Yes. That's kingdom church up right there. That's what God wants. You're a kingdom man. you kingdom woman. You're kingdom kid. Right?
1: Amen.
0: Isn't that who we are? Yes,
1: sir.
0: And that's why God said, You won't cut down wood. You're going to build my kingdom. You go and I'll go with you. And not only that, I'll give you access. And if you lose it, stick the cross in where you lost it. Let it come on back up. And then don't be so stinking proud that you're not willing to get down on your knees and ask God to give it back to you. Take it up
1: and go on for God.